Hey everybody, we are super pleased to announce our new sponsor, Marvel Strike Force. Marvel Strike Force is a mobile squad RPG that allows you to battle with your favorite team of superheroes and supervillains in a fight to save the universe against threats like Doctor Doom and Apocalypse. The goal? Power up your favorite characters to complete missions, unlock gear and other resources, and beat other players in PvP modes such as Alliance War and Real-Time Arena. And the best part? Marvel Strike Force just reached its six-year anniversary, which means free stuff when you sign up via our unique link in the description. The anniversary consists of weekly events and bonuses. Just complete each event, and you'll receive special awards and skins. Make sure to log in each day and every week to take advantage of all the new characters that are being released specifically for this event. This will be Marvel Strike Force's most generous event to date, so don't miss out. If we have received a unique promo code for every new user, please follow our link in the description and use the promo code MAXPOOL, M-A-X-P-O-O-L. Again, anybody uses that code, it is unique for all new users. Check it out. Once again, thank you so much to Marvel Strike Force for sponsoring this episode. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to Board Gamers Anonymous, episode 227, Board Gaming Hotness. We'd like to thank all of our Patreon backers for helping us bring you a brand new episode. Welcome to Board Gamers Anonymous, the podcast about board gamers and the insane fun we have at the table together. This is Chris. Hey, and this is Anthony. All right, so here we are in the lulls between the two conventions. Origins just recently wrapped up. Gen Con is coming up. And be honest with you, Anthony, I don't know what to do with myself because the games are not really hitting the table fast and furious yet. Nah, no, I I keep waiting for this year to like open up and give me something good to play. I don't like there's been good enough stuff. I've got the new Star Wars game sitting on my table right now. I'm, I'm learning how to play it. It'll be fine. It seems like a Firefly clone. It'll be fine. Like, where's the game? Where's the one game? Like, the one game so far this year has been Wingspan, and it was also fine. It was good. It was fine. So, Origins didn't bring it. Hopefully, Gen Con brings it. I don't know. Just the, the year's getting on. I'm not excited yet. Yeah, it's pretty rough. I mean, obviously, you have Wingspan, and I do not. But I've played it a couple of times, and I really enjoyed the game. And that seems to be the game that is still pretty hot and kind of, like, getting a lot of attention in a lot of different places that normally you wouldn't think of board gaming to pop up. But I guess that's something you're going to be talking about later when we talk about the hotness and board gaming. So we're going to stoke the fire a bit and see what games are being talked about and what games will eventually either get to your table, get to Gen Con, or are going to get a reprint possibly. But Anthony will talk about that in a little bit because he's got something really important to talk about. We've been doing a tremendous number of contests because we are the podcast that's all about giving away all of our things to all of our listeners because we just love you that much. Anthony, tell 
everybody what's been going on yeah right we're probably the only podcast who's like hey we got a patreon back us make it better okay cool let's spend all the money back on you guys <laughs> that wasn't really the point we needed the money to run the podcast <laughs> we're gonna be the first podcast in history that's gonna go bankrupt with a patreon account <laughs> oh man thank you all who help us do that i'm no longer spending out of pocket to actually upload and publish and do all those things which is amazing and with this surplus as you guys know we've been giving away games for the last five months or so we did have to change the process completely in june and now we're running contests a little bit differently we're putting them up on patreon every week everybody's eligible to enter because we've removed the one and two dollar levels again we are sorry that we had to do that but we hope that this makes for a better contest for a better opportunity for a better experience for everybody who can get involved and enjoy the little puzzles and trivia that we put up for you so this week was a doubly special week because we had not one not two not three, but four contest winners. Jeez. We had our, I know it was, I had to do a lot of work earlier today, like sorting through all these. We had our World Cup episode last week, and I calculated the winner on that. We had three separate Patreon contests because we didn't run them for the first two weeks of the month while we were getting stuff organized. So we wanted to kind of catch up on that. And we have several different winners for each of these contests. So I'm going to kick things off with the World Cup because that is the one we did last week and the one you guys are probably waiting on. The winner was Rico. Rico got the winner, overall winner, which a lot of people got the overall winner. He also got the majority of the rest. I think he got 12 out of the 16 uh, matchups in that first uh, group round, which was the best of anybody who also got the winner. So congratulations to Rico. He is taking home a game from that bracket. We will reach out to you and get that off of the mail very, very soon. Now, moving on to all of the Patreon contests. So like I said, we're running these every week on patreon.com slash BGA. And it's going to be a little bit different every time. And it's a little bit of a learning process as we figure out what works best, how to submit them, how to organize them and all that. So this week I did two component contests, similar to last week, but much, much harder. <laughs> as people told me repeatedly, much, much harder. And for one of them, we had five out of six was the winner. And the other one, it was only four out of six. So these are tough. I understand that. But we want to make it so someone didn't just swoop in and get them all right in the first hour or two. So people have time to kind of do their research and figure it out. Um, the first of those, we had six components, mostly red and purple by accident. But then the second one, I thought it was kind of funny. But the winning component names were the Hannibal and Hamilcar, Zhangguo, Escape Plan, Blackout Hong Kong, Elfinland, which I think maybe one person got, but unfortunately they weren't the overall winner, and then Yamatai. So those were the six games I pulled from. There were some newer things there. There were some kind of obscure things, but Rico, who actually also won the World Cup, so he's been very busy the last week and a half, he got five out of six and was first to answer, I think, three of those five. So he got there first and was able to to win that one. So I'm going to hit him up twice. And Rico's going to get two games actually this week. So lots of chances to win, guys, especially if you're active on there. The next contest, we had a, another six components. These were all blue and green <laughs> since the last ones were red. And the answers were Carpe Diem, which nobody got, which, come on, guys, it's a decent game. It's a Kennerspiel nominee. Get out there. Pursuit of Happiness, King Domino, which everybody got. Feudum, 878 Vikings, and Santorini. So Peter got four out of six on that one. 
and he'll be getting an email from me in the next couple days as well and get a game of his choice uh, from our list. And then last but not least, contest number three, I asked, and this was kind of a very wide open one, but I asked people to give us as many games as they could think of, remember, find that we gave a dodge or a burn rating to. By my count, there's something like 70 or 80 games that got just decently bad ratings from us over the years. And some of those, one of us liked and the other one didn't, but a lot of them we just generally didn't like. And Chris found 26 of them. Wow. So congratulations, Chris. He spent a lot, he sent me a lot of Slack messages. So <laughs> it was like finding them like all throughout the last five days. So congratulations, Chris. You did an amazing job. You found a lot of games that we very much didn't like. So <laughs> you did a good job there. So yeah, there's our four winners for the last couple of weeks of contests. Uh, next week, we'll just have one contest. Moving forward, we'll just have one contest per week. It will go up every week on Thursday around the middle of the day, around the time we post the new episode. So if you see the new episode go up and you haven't seen that, it should be up very shortly afterwards. I will also post the contest in the Slack group every week. So if you don't see the email from Patreon, you'll get it in Slack. If you go and join the Slack group, which you should do if you're on the Patreon as a backer. And we're going to mix things up. We're going to try new things every week and we'll, we'll see what people what they enjoy, what they resonate with, what kind of kicks things off and yeah, thanks to everybody who participated. I think we had like 20, 25 people total between all three contests last week, which was awesome. Yeah, definitely check out patreon.com slash BGA. There's a lot of great content, special bonus episodes, a lot of great things that you may not be aware of. And you should definitely check it out, not just for the contest, but to help support us do great things in board gaming and bring you the newest, latest, and the greatest. And for those of you who are spreading the love of BGA and letting everyone know about the podcast and just whether it's somebody at the game night or somebody on Reddit or somebody on Facebook or Board Game Geek, we really appreciate it. Thank you so much. All right, Anthony. So that's what's going on with BGA. Let's talk about the stuff that's going on with our listeners. What's our question of the week? All right. Yeah. So I asked everybody this week. It's kind of an honor of being in Seattle a couple of weeks ago where I was just trying to find local game stores that I hadn't been to before. I asked everybody, if someone visits your hometown or the area around it, what's one board game destination they should visit? So my apologies to everybody out there who doesn't have the one place around them. I know a few people chimed in and said, ah, my, my area sucks. <laughs> I do feel you. I've been there in the past. But we did get a lot of good answers from people. So I'm going to try to read off as many as I can real quick, just to give some names out there for, you know, if you happen to be in these places. So David, who's actually from Australia, mentions Brain Hacker, a board game cafe um, down where he lives. He doesn't mention the city, uh, but I'm sure you could look that up if you are in Australia. Chance mentions uh, Mind Sculpt Games in Great Bend, Kansas, as well as Sente Games and Refreshments in Wichita, Kansas, which sounds like a board game cafe, which is awesome. Carl, who is actually near me, and I've, I've met him a couple times at Origins, he says in Pittsburgh, there's no specific location you should definitely check out. You can play board games everywhere, which I totally agree with, although there are a lot of very good places to play board games in Pittsburgh as well. So <laughs> I will say um, that both of those are the case. Chris mentions that while there's nowhere near him in Quincy, Illinois, he's only a couple hours away from Miniature Market. So he's been there several times to check out their uh, inventory in person, which I am very jealous of. Mark mentions old school gaming in Toledo, Ohio. Aaron says Epic Loot in Centerville. Kat mentions Collector's Connection. Does not say where she is, unfortunately, so I can't share the location. Second Home Gaming in Northeast Louisiana from Gary. And then 
Time Warp Comics and Games in Cedar Grove, New Jersey from John, which we both know and love, right? And uh, yeah, so lots of good locations. I know we all have our FLGS, but we also also have like that one place we love to go, whether it's the place we normally go or just sometimes when we have an opportunity. So for me, it's Games Unlimited here in Pittsburgh. It's like a 10 minute walk from my house, but also I'm, I'm good friends with all the people who work there and I hang out there quite often so it's fun to have a local place to go hang out even if like in my case they don't have a gaming space it's just nice to have people to go talk to about games whenever i feel like it's true in fact my new job is way out south in new jersey so i don't have a local game source so to speak as you mentioned time warp comics and games is fantastic up in cedar grove we love them and Another great game store that's a little bit of a ride for me, but it's fantastic. You should check it out. It's called The Only Game in Town, and that's in Somerville, New Jersey. They're actually opening a larger location, so definitely check them out. And Maplewood Hobby in Maplewood, New Jersey. A lot of great miniatures gaming going on there. So those are three great places that if I can make it up there, I typically like to do so. And recently I came across a small game store called Nova Games, and really nice people there, mostly CCGs, but they do have some board game selection and they're open to board gaming too. So, you know, if you're out there in the area, so support your local friendly game store. So if you'd like to jump in on the conversation, don't forget Facebook, Twitter, BoardGamersAnonymous.com, our guild on Board Game Geek. And if you like to listen to us on YouTube, we have a YouTube channel up there where all of our episodes that you're listening to right now are on YouTube. So definitely check us out. All right, Anthony, so that's everything from our listeners. Let's get on to our episode. Let's talk about our acquisition disorders. All right, yeah, so I got a new one here. Uh, it got announced a few months ago, but it just popped onto my radar, and that is Watergate. This is a new game from Frosted Games, coming to the U.S. from Capstone Games, and designed by Matthias Kramer, who has he's been around for a while now. Glenmore, Lancashire, Rococo, Craftwagon, lots and lots of good stuff. This is a short-ish, two-player, one-on-one game in which one player plays the Nixon administration, trying not to resign before the end of the game, and the other player represents the Washington Post, trying to basically uncover all the horrible things Nixon did (laughs) and his informers. The game... There's not a ton of information. The rules are up, and so I've gone through them a little bit, but it's it's hard to tell exactly how the game will play. It looks to be like maybe like 13 hours type of game, or if, I'm sorry, 13 days, more so than like a Twilight Struggle, which is much longer and more spread out. This is like a 30 to 60 minute game, ideally, but don't know a ton about it otherwise yet, but I'm still excited. I love these like political, asymmetrical two-player games. Even though I never get to play them, I'm always very excited when they come out. And I generally end up putting them on my shelf for that one in a million time when somebody's up for it. So Watergate, looking forward to checking this one out. Hopefully it's at a con that I attend sometime soon and I get a chance to play it there. Well, another fantastic two-player game is an upcoming expansion to one of the best board games of all time. And number three on BGG, and that's Through the Ages, A New Story of Civilization. And what we're looking at here in particular is its expansion, New Leaders and Wonders. And this is, a you know, a little addition to what's a fantastic game. The expansion itself is more of the same. It's not an additional rule set. It's not additional pieces that come into play. What it is, is additional cards. And in particular, additional leaders and additional wonders. So if you haven't played through the ages 
basically it is civilization building throughout the different generations from the ancient time to the modern age. So you are building up your civilization and you are building up resources in order to build up these different grand wonders and you're scoring culture points, which basically wins you the game. So with this expansion, what you're able to do is basically two things. You're basically able to switch out some of these leaders and or switch out some of these wonders, or you could play, you know, a mix of a combination. And the this new expansion allows you to kind of play the game without having to spend so much time on the setup and breakdown because with this expansion, you can actually put these cards off to the side. And then when this generic card kind of flips over, it says, hey, you get to pick a leader. Then you look at the board and you see what's the first leader available. So not radically different than the game before. You might have some new leaders like Confucius and Cleopatra and Sun Tzu. And you might have some new civilizations like the Colosseum and Stonehenge and the Acropolis. It just gives you more of what you like. So if you love the game previously, this is more love that's coming to the game. If you don't know anything about the game, you should absolutely check it out. It is a long civilization game, but it is worth your time and it has a fantastic app. All right, so that's everything for Acquisitions of Source. Let's get on to the games that are hitting our table and we'll let you know if those games are a buy and you should run out and pick those games up. If those games are a play, you should sit down and play them. If those games are a dodge, you should avoid them at all costs. Or if those games are the dreaded burn and you should just torch those games because they're absolutely positively not worth your time whatsoever. Anthony, what did you play this week? All right. I am at you guys with a Roll and Write Roundup. I've been playing a lot of Roll and Writes lately. A lot of new ones have come in because 2019 is, of course, the year of the Roll and Write. Everybody saw Gancho and Clever win, or not, it just be up there in the Kenner Spiel last year, and they all jumped on the bandwagon. So a whole bunch are coming out right now. I have four that just came out here in the U.S. in the last like month, month and a half. There are more coming, but these are the four I've played recently. And some kind of rapid fire through them. I'll give you my general impressions and a rating and just what, if anything, makes them unique as a roll and write, because a lot of these games can be kind of the same. If you're not a roll and write fan, I'll save you some time right up front. You can jump ahead. These are all roll and writes. <laughs> There's nothing like mind blowing about any of them. You're not going to change your mind, I don't think. But if you do like roll and writes or you are roll and write curious, um, stick around because some of these are better than others. So first up on the list, Lanterns, Dice, Lights in the Sky. This is the dice version of the Lanterns, the Harvest Festival uh, from Renegade Games and Foxtrot Games. In this game, you roll four dice. They go into this kind of cool tray that automatically forces them into a configuration. You pick a die, you're going to mark off that color on your sheet. Based on where everybody's sitting, they're going to get the die in the corresponding place. So the person to your right gets the die to your right, the person across from you gets the die across from you, etc. You will then be able to, if it's your turn, mark off a bonus color of some sort. And there's other ways to kind of chain things together. So there's the these emperor's favors that you can earn by filling in these little coin tokens. You can surround boats. You can fill in these spaces around these various blocks that give you bonus actions. You can take a second action. Lots of different things you can do. And then kind of some special abilities that go along with all this, like any good roll and write. Uh, if you fill in the space that matches some of these polyomino figures that are out, you can take one of those and place it on your sheet as well. You play for 10 rounds, finish everything up, see who has a high score. Boom, you're done. 
it runs a little bit longer than your average roll and write. So there's been this trend of late with like fleet the dice game and this one and at least one other one we're going to talk about where it's closer to 45 minutes than 20. So it pushes it a little bit for some people who just they want something light and quick in a roll and write. This is a little bit longer, but I actually liked it quite a bit. I'd give it a solid play. Uh, I had fun with the different combinations and trying to chain stuff together. The way it's designed ensures that nobody ends up following each other. There's not it's not like severely multiplayer solitaire. So I like this one. Uh, it's worth checking out if you get a chance to play it. So that is Lantern's Dice, Lights in the Sky. The next one is the one I was the most excited for. That's Imperial Settlers Roll and Write uh, from Ignacy Trevicek. <sighs> Unfortunately, <laughs> of the four, this is probably the worst that I've played in the last month. And it's not bad per se, but there are so many of these games right now. And this one costs a little bit more than the rest. So it's hard to recommend it. You're going to roll these four dice. Three of them represent different types of resources. One of them represents the number of actions you're going to take. So it'll be like the, the little meeples that you recognize from Imperial Settlers. And that's how many different things you can do with the combinations of dice you have. You're going to build different buildings throughout the game that give you bonuses and extras as you go. But for the most part, you're just crossing off different squares on these different rows on your sheet that are the same for everybody. And they're just, they cost different combinations of resources. So those like your row for your stone. And it's like one stone, two stone, two stone, three stone, three stone, three stone, four stone, whatever it is. You know, it's, it's very samey. Each game feels very similar. There's not a ton of decisions to be made. This feels like a roll and write from a few years ago, or honestly, more likely like something that kind of rushed out the door when they're like, let's get it on the craze. It's not great. And, and that's disappointing to me because I really like Imperial Settlers and this feels nothing like Imperial Settlers. The one thing I will say, the solitaire game is pretty good because it comes with a whole separate sheet, an adventure sheet. So you can go through these different adventures and each adventure sheet, and there's like 48 of them, is a different set of buildings. So kind of a unique challenge to run through. That is cool. So if you're going to get it for solo play, it's not bad. I'd give it a play. But if you're getting this for multiplayer... I, it's a dodge for me. I would not pick this one up. So that is Imperial Settlers. Roll and write. Big disappointment for me. Uh, next up, welcome to Dino World. This is a, um, I guess, cashing in on the Dinosaur Island craze and everything trying to be Jurassic Park. So in this one, everybody rolls, you know, there's a shared dice. Everybody rolls them. And then based on the combinations of pips, you can spend them. So... There'll be like, for example, you can get these dinosaurs for this many pips, like one to two, and then three to four, five to six, whatever. You can build these buildings for one to three or four to six on each die. And then you can spend a certain number of pips to build roads between things. And you're literally drawing a dinosaur park on your sheet. So definitely a game worth laminating. So you can do this multiple times because you're going to run through them pretty quickly. It's super cute. It's super fun. My only main issue with the game is that it takes too long. So not a huge fan of like the first time I played it, it took an hour and a half. Now, to be fair, we had like six players. And so each round you're waiting on the one person who's still thinking. But it went so long for a roll and write. And even with less players, it's been kind of frustrating. As a solo game, I got through it in 20 minutes. So Great. If you're playing with like two or three players, same thing. I think probably the best number of players is going to be a smaller number, but it is one of those games you could play with infinite number of players. If you're not in a hurry or if you know everybody knows the game already, it's fun. It's cute. You can draw your little dinosaurs on your sheet. 
everybody ends up doing something different and unique with their combinations. You have to manage threat, like all these dinosaur games. Um, it's pretty good. So I would give Dinosaur World, again, I can't quite give this one a buy just because it's because of the length issues, because of the variability there, but it's really close. It's a solid, solid play. Well worth checking out if you like roll and write games. Last but not least, we have Twice as Clever, also known as Dopelt So Clever. This is the sequel to Ganshon Clever from Wolfgang Warsh. This came out in the US maybe a month ago, not quite a month ago. And in Germany, I think it came out at Essen. And it is exactly the same rules as Ganshon Clever. You roll the six dice, choose one of them, mark off a space, place any dice with lower numbers aside, re-roll the remaining ones, do that again, do it three times, and then other people can choose from the remaining dice. Boom. What's different in this one that makes it so interesting is that the sheet is completely different. And some of the ways that the different things operate now are really cool. Some of them are not horribly intuitive. <laughs> like the way that the silver sheet works is sometimes it has trouble people wrap. Sometimes people have trouble wrapping their heads around it. The gold section, for example, the yellows, you have to mark everything off twice for them to score. The first time you get a bonus, the second time you get nothing, but that's how you make them score. I like it a lot. Some people don't like it as much. I think it's just as good as Gonshon Clever. If you liked Gonshon Clever, you will like this and it gives some variety to it. This one is a buy for me because Gancho and Clever was one of my favorite and most played games from 2018. If you've played that, though, and do not like it, this will not change your mind. And this one does have an app. I don't think any of the rest of these have an app yet, but this one does. So if you want to check it out, you can just download it on your phone for like three bucks. So there you have it. All four of those. Lantern's Dice is a play. Imperial Settlers is a dodge. Welcome to Dino World is a play. And Twice as Clever is a buy. So if you're looking for new roll and writes, there are four of them, one to avoid, three to check out. All right. I'm really disappointed to see that Imperial Settlers didn't produce a good game there. I don't know what it is. And like my group, when I played it with with other people, uh, like half the people were fine with it. Nobody hated it. I didn't hate it either. It was just like, okay, (laughs) like what if it come out when Imperial Settlers had come out, it would have been fine. I think people would have liked it, but. The fact that it came out during the glut of different Roland rights, some of them doing really clever things, it just feels like they phoned it in. And whoever managed the solo on that did great. And whoever put the rest of it together, I don't know. It's maybe it was like a weekend design or something. It's was not it a great just, game. Was it just kind of a cash-in? I, I hate to think that of them, but yeah, it almost feels like it. It's just so basic. Yeah, And it doesn't feel like Imperial Settlers. The theme is not really there for me. Yeah, we were just talking off mic that when Imperial Settlers came out, it was such a big release at Origins, and it was something that like just made the convention, and then obviously all the expansions. You're a much bigger fan than I am of the game, but I still do like the game a great deal, and it's kind of sad to see that this was kind of a, uh, you know, a weak version of a, of a great game. Yeah, the the main reason it bothers me, too, is they have more Imperial Settler stuff coming out this year. Like, they have that Empires of the North game, and there's some other content coming for the main game. And now I'm like, oh, I hope they do better with those. (laughs) Like, don't ruin the IP, man. Sure. Well, I have a really strange game for you, because, Anthony, I don't know if you know about this, but are you familiar with Wacky Races? Only vaguely. I think by the time I was watching cartoons, this was like, you know, Saturday mornings on 
Boomerang or something. Sure. But yeah, I've seen it. Yeah, so Wacky Races, if you don't know, was a, a cartoon series way, way, way back in 1968. And back then in syndication, it was just on all the time. Now, what was really interesting about it was it was this wacky race where it was kind of like this cross-country race amongst all of these different Hanna-Barbera cartoon heroes and villains with their really wacky cars and they were in competition with each other. And there was this little cartoon series that was amazing because it was before all of these other kind of like Marvel integrated universes where, you know, as a kid, you were like, wow, it'd be really cool if all of this kind of interaction between your cartoons you always wanted to see. And here was a whole series that was specifically about that. Now, for me, too, this was way before my time. It did get a reboot on boomerang where they brought it back but i remember seeing this in my memory so to speak and it was kind of fun and you know wacky so to speak so simon and i'm not sure why simon of all people decided to produce this game but they produced a super high quality miniatures game of wacky races the board game and once again it's all about these mostly obscure Hanna-Barbera cartoon characters and their races. Now, in particular, if you do know any of the characters there, you probably know about Dick Dasterly and his pup Muttley, who always go, <laughs> that was the kind of little catchphrase. So Dick Dasterly would kind of sabotage the races. And in this board game, you get to play one of these wacky racers that is traveling down these different territory cards along this racetrack, and you will be playing cards from your hand that match these different territory, which will allow you to move down the track. And then your car itself will have special abilities. And then Dick Dasterly will be able to move up, and if he gets ahead of you, he will put traps out there. Now, as the game goes on, this will happen a lot, and the traps mostly will hurt you, and you will have equipment, as I mentioned earlier, to kind of help you deal with those different situations. So basically, the game is I got a couple cards in my hand. I play this card to move. I play this card to move. And that's basically it. Maybe I use a special ability or maybe I get knocked back or someone else gets knocked back. And then the first one to the end of the finish line wins. It's a very, very short game. I would say 20 minutes tops. What's interesting about this game is, once again... It's from a very old cartoon series and a very obscure cartoon series, but the game is so radically light that I feel like the only people that will have fun with the mechanics are children because it's basically Candyland, so to speak, because you're just moving down to different territories and it's very luck based based upon the cards you get into your hand and what happens to be the trap and what you happen to have as far as you know, equipment to kind of save you as far as that's concerned. But in general, 20 minutes game, mostly with family or kids about a really obscure cartoon series that's are pretty much for older adults, probably in their 50s and 60s. So maybe a grandparent might want to introduce this to their grandchildren and play a game with them on the table where they'll recognize the characters. The kids will love the miniatures. The miniatures are fantastic. Although the game board pieces and the cards themselves are very poor quality, they're very, very thin, and they're very, very small, which really doesn't make a lot of sense. There is a deluxe version to this game that has painted miniatures, 
whether you go with the generic version or the painted version, either way, the miniatures are fantastic. As I mentioned, the gameplay is non-existent. I'm going to give this game a dodge just because I don't know exactly who this is for. There probably is a very small subset of people that nostalgia works for them and they want to kind of collect the racing cars. So for them, absolutely. I don't know if you're really going to play this more than once or maybe just for the heck of it, you're like, hey, let's just play something that might take 15 or 20 minutes. But as far as a game is concerned and not just collecting miniature cars are concerned, it gets a dodge from me. This makes no sense to me. It made no sense to me when I saw it two years ago at Gen Con when they were like originally showing it. I'm like, why are you making this game? Yeah, I don't. Who is this for? I don't know. Why do you have a fully painted version? Like, if it's a children's game, A, it's $45, which automatically prices it out for most parents. I don't buy $45 games for my children. Um, and I buy a lot of well, games. And, and to <laughs> so. be fair, it's a $45 game for your children of characters that they don't know or would even be right? interested in. Like, I, I feel like this is just like, the owner of Simon is like, I loved this when I was a kid. So they made the game or something. It doesn't make any sense. I mean, for like I said, for a very small subset of gamers, this is going to be fantastic because the nostalgia makes it worth it. But as you mentioned, a deluxe version of this really made no sense. And I think we're going to see this probably in bargain bins everywhere rather soon. All right. So that's everything that's been hitting our table. Anthony, let's get on to our feature review. Our feature review this week is the hottest games that are going on board gaming. Anthony's going to take us down a trip of BGG hotness and let us know what you should be taking a look out for. So, Anthony, what do you have for us this week? All right, guys. 15 games, top of BGG hotness as of right now. (laughs) You know how this changes. This time of year, it's often a combination of Kickstarter fulfillment, games getting announced for conventions, and just the hot games that are hot because they're hot all the time. So we're going to start at number 15, work our way up to number one, and that it's going to begin with Unbroken. This is a solo-only game from Artef Safarov. This came from Golden Bell Studios, and it is decently popular with the people who backed it. Like, it seems to be generally well-liked. It is currently fulfilling. There's also the other piece of that where Golden Bell has apparently, to some degree, mismanaged the campaign. I've seen a lot of negativity towards them as a studio, not necessarily the game. Um, we're not going to get into all of that because I don't feel I'm up to snuff to be able to, to talk about that safely, but I know there's a kind of a dueling aspect here in terms of the conversations. So it is, uh, it's a solo game, which makes it interesting to be up this high, but I think there's both of those are pieces of that. Number 14 on the list is Barrage. This is a, another Kickstarter game that, uh, recently kind of finished wrapping up uh, the production of, and they're going to start shipping it pretty soon. I backed it personally. Chris and I both played it back at PAX. Um, Ironically, you liked it more than I did. (laughs) I'm the one getting a copy. But there's also a lot of negativity going on with this and a lot of activity in the forums because, again, people feel like Cranio Creations kind of did a bad job of managing the campaign and expectations. Like, the marketing side communicated things that the manufacturing side didn't know. And so the game we're getting is not exactly what they described, which always makes people mad. I don't personally care too much as long as everything looks fine and isn't going to break on me. But I do understand why people get upset with that when they pay that much money. It was very expensive and it's not exactly what they thought they were going to get. So 
Um, this one's not out yet, so it's surprising it's all the way up here, but I think that's a big part of it. That is number 14. Number 13 on the list is Root. No particular reason, I'm sure, other than they're winning a bunch of awards. Um, they won the award Origins Game of the Year Award, uh, which we absolutely <laughs> thought they would, right? Yeah, that was kind of a given. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure they're going to clean up at the Dice Tower Awards next week, too. I, I, I don't see how they lose Game of the Year there as well. I think I voted for them Game of the Year, um, just based on the games that came out last year. They're the best of the best. Plus, there's new content coming sometime before the end of the year. So Root is always going to be up there. Uh, next up, Lord of the Rings Journeys in Middle Earth. This is, well, we've talked about this one. I've reviewed it. It's the big box kind of descent slash mansions of madness reskin with lord of the rings and the app and it's pretty good but there's not a ton of content so we're waiting for more stuff there you go (laughs) i like it but it needs more content uh terraforming mars is i mean it's always up here i don't see a reason why it's up here more than any other time we just have more content as usual always new expansions on the way uh next up jonathan strange and mr norell a board game of english magic uh, this is a new game from Osprey Games, designed by Marco Maggi and Francesco Nepatello, who designed War of the Ring, art by Ian O'Toole, and it's of one of the better-reviewed novels, fantasy novels, of the last 15 years. I don't know why this wasn't getting more buzz before it came out. It's now out, and I didn't even know it existed until last week, but I promptly ordered a copy. I love this book. I love these designers. I love the artist. I haven't played it yet, but... It just looks amazing. If you know the book or you know the show, it's, you know, it's about these magicians in 18th, 19th century England kind of going about and dealing with various uh, challenges and trying to stand out amongst their peers. Um, It's so much fun. It's very Victorian, but it's a lot of fun to read. So hopefully the board game does it justice. Star Wars Outer Rim. Uh, This is the new Star Wars board game from Fantasy Flight Games designed by Courtney Kineshka. It is... It's basically a pick up and deliver kind of sprawling game, a la like Firefly. Um, you are bounty hunters and villains and all the, all that like uh, going about and doing the the various bad things that happen, uh, the scum and villainy side of things in the Star Wars universe. So it's fun to get a Star Wars game with no Jedi in it. And I have not yet had a chance to play it. It is sitting on my table waiting to be learned and played. But I am very excited because it's Star Wars, you know, (laughs) and I do like this side of the universe. You don't see a lot of it in mainstream stuff. So hopefully it's good. Uh, Next up is Gloomhaven. Uh, Gloomhaven's new expansion came out just a couple weeks ago. So that one is, you know, currently hot. People are talking about that. I don't know, honestly, anybody in my local circles and everybody owns this game now who actually is far enough to play the expansion content, but we're all buying it anyways, because that's what you do. <laughs> Acquisition disorders. Next up, Midara, Unintentional Maloom, Act 1. Uh, I don't know really much of anything about this game. I tried to do a little bit of research here ahead of it. It looks to be an epic adventure miniature board game. It is on Kickstarter currently uh, to get the complete trilogy, Honestly, I've never heard about this game prior to, you know, putting this list together today, but it comes with a ton of content. It is epic fantasy. It has dozens of hours of content and narrative stuff. So people who like these big adventure games, this looks like it's built for you. Uh, It's on Kickstarter right now. It looks like it's about to wrap up, though. Wingspan, uh, it's been in the top 10 now for almost all of 2019. 
the game is supposed to finally be in like wide print by September. So hopefully if you're going to Gen Con, you can find a copy. And if you don't find one there sometime this fall. So that's all I really know. <laughs> I think just people talking about it in general. PAX Pamir, second edition. This is Cole Worley's older game. Um, he has several older games, but this is one of the ones he was better known for before Root. And he ran a Kickstarter for this late last year. Um, like just beautiful presentation, fantastic components, just like a huge upgrade over everything that this game originally had. And it's not a game I ever had a chance to play. I did back this uh, based on what I read. I'm very excited to get a chance to play it. It is somewhat of a tableau builder where you're purchasing these different cards, um, kind of building out the uh, a court in front of you that does various things based on the map. The theme is very interesting. It's 19th century Afghanistan. Um, like these different leaders trying to build a new country after the collapse of the Durrani Empire. So as somebody who likes just quirky, not quirky, it's not the right word, but different takes on history and points in history. Um, this is pretty cool. Not a lot of games based on this. I hope to get to play it here in the next week or two, and then I'll, I'll review this one pretty soon. Uh, next up is The Seventh Continent. Uh, no reason to... Uh, you guys should know this one by now. It's been on the list the last few months. The Kickstarter just finished fulfilling that second wave, so anybody who backed the the core content plus all the expansion content this has been on my list to play forever, hoping to get a chance to play it soon, especially with all this stuff just sitting here. <laughs> so coming soon, coming soon. I'm going to talk about it. Uh, Black Angel is a new game from Pearl Games, and it has kind of an all-star um, design team with Sebastian Dujardin, Xavier Georges, and Alain Orban. Artwork again by Ian O'Toole. This dude is everywhere. And it is a, a sci-fi game. So this is about a... Um, the Black Angel Project, which is like a intergalactic frigate, the first one that is taking the genetic heritage of humanity beyond known worlds. So it's basically like a generation ship type of story, but it, and it's about when you get there and how you interact with these different species that you're trying to you know work with and it, how you're going to colonize the planet. And it has just, I think the part that stands out for me the most is the incredibly unique artwork because it is Eno tool. So it is that pastel type color, but he does try to work in the dark angles of science fiction and it just doesn't look like any other sci-fi game I've ever seen. Um, they're all very much the same. And this one stands out as not being like that. So I'm pretty eager to see what this ends up looking like and how it plays. Not out yet. I think it's coming out at Gen Con. So a lot of people are talking about it right now because it is on the preview list. Uh, Super Fantasy Brawl at number two. This is a new game from Mythic Games. And a first-time designer, um, Jochen Eisenhuth. And it is a 2v2 or four-player all-out melee mashup. So it's it's a miniature melee game. It's coming to Kickstarter the day after we record this. So it's, it's up there right now as they build hype for it. It looks to have some pretty cool-looking miniatures. Um, kind of a, I don't know, almost like a MOBA feel to it. Uh, in this kind of arena type setting. I don't know how it plays. Obviously, we haven't seen too much about it, but I'll be checking this one out because the character designs and the general artwork looks pretty cool. And number one, last but not least right now, is Little Town. Uh, this is a game from Aya and Shun. And the reason that I'm interested in this is they designed Skylands, which is a Queen Games release from last year that flew 
100% under the radar that I absolutely love, this tiling game of kind of moving around these different sky islands. And this particular one, you are building a town by placing workers on this board, um, three per round. And the cool thing is, based on where you place it, you gather resources from all the spaces around you, and then you use those resources to build up your town. It is seemingly a fairly light game, fairly quick to play, kind of fits that entry-level, like, sub-medium weight game that's been coming out a lot lately. But I do like the look of it and looking forward to giving a chance to play it. So there you have it. That is all 15 of them, the top of the BGG hotness right now for the end of June. And it will change completely in the next week and a half. So um, definitely check out these games if any sound interesting. Most of them should be at Gen Con too. So if you're going there, lots of stuff to check out. All right, so that's everything for this week. Until next time, this is Chris. And this is Anthony. And we'll save you a seat at the table.